I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to The Silver Bullet. This podcast is brought to you by Media and Capital Partners and features interviews with disruptors from all across the Australian business landscape. Here, we chat with startup founders, CEOs, and other business leaders to uncover what they're doing differently to their competitors and discover their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode, I'm chatting with the founder and managing director of digital marketing and social media agency, So Shall We, Sam Ricks, who's also started a craft beer delivery subscription service called Getting Crafty. Sam, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, or entirely my pleasure. So this podcast is all about founders and disruptors. You've already started two companies, so um, you're sort of right in, our, right in our sweet spot. Before we get into any of that, can you just give us a bit of background about how you got started in, in marketing and, and sort of, you know, how you got started on a journey that led you to this point? Yeah, I'll be showing my age with this answer. Uh, but I originally started working at Fox Sports within the marketing team. And this was around 2010, 2011, as digital was becoming a bigger piece within the marketing ecosystem. So um, with the help of some, uh, you know, my colleague who's now come on to social week, a guy called Chris Gross and, and the, uh, the marketing director, uh, Carly Loder, Facebook and Google were passed my way with just kind of not a lot of thought behind it. You know, it was a very traditional marketing business. It was newspaper, radio, print, um, and Facebook was just a secondary. And I guess for me, we started seeing huge results as the advertising platforms within Facebook and, and Google improved. Um, and gone are the days where you can spend a hundred bucks and get a million video views on Leicester winning the league title or the Swans winning the 2012 grand final. Uh, but we just, I, I just kind of realized that, or oh, maybe this is a direction of marketing that I should learn a little bit more about and and i did and i I invested a lot of resources and time into understanding performance marketing one of the one of the big uh plays within fox sports was with the help of um my boss chris gross is we built this platform which sold foxtel um through fox sports social media channels and it was a success we made a few um made a lot of sales out of that and and you know we were tracking conversion and and bringing revenue into the business from a marketing side traditionally marketers are very famous for spending the money that the sales teams bring in or or that's allocated and when you start to become roi positive uh it was um it was interesting and i went well maybe i should back myself in here and, and start to learn this because marketing you know, you can have content, graphic designers, videographers, photographers, um, uh, organic social experts, paid social experts, paid Google experts. It just goes on, right? And now with TikTok and LinkedIn as well, it's become niche skill sets. And I tried to to learn a few of them um, and it's held me in good stead. Yeah, definitely. And just, I guess, if you look back then to now, would you say that, I guess, the Australian marketing landscape has um, I guess, pivoted quickly on these developments or, or has it, you know, largely, especially in sort of the, the bigger holding companies taken a little bit of time to, to really catch on to what's going on? Bit of column A, bit of column B is I think startups saw the value of digital marketing really quickly. Um, you know, you look at businesses like Canva, which is now a billion dollar organization that were very heavy in digital, um, 
But there's also on the other end been traditional organisations where they haven't really adopted it quickly because it's a disruption of processes. And that was, it's always an interesting political balancing act with with larger companies uh, that I found. And yeah, so, so I think there's two, there's two schools of thought is new companies kind of adopt that first over traditional advertising and companies with existing structures took a little bit longer, but they always say that the American market's always 10 years ahead of Australians. And we saw that major organizations were splashing millions of dollars in the States. And I think that always, that's kind of leaked in now to, um, to mainstream Australian organizations everywhere. Yeah, definitely. And and you moved on from Fox Sports and spent a bit of time largely in social marketing. Is is that correct? And and sort of, you know, what sort of skills did you learn over the years after that that made you one day go, oh, maybe I'll start my own shop? I, it's an interesting, uh, interesting journey for me. So Fox Sports was, you know, backed by the Murdochs, and there was kind of not infinite ad spend, but considerable ad spend. So I realized pretty quickly that. If I was to leave, and I and I was running the, uh, I was running a lot of the uh, the AFL marketing at the time, and some of the NRL marketing and the football marketing, like EPL when Foxtel had the rights. If I was to leave and not post anything or do anything in the digital space, I think people would still watch the Premier League, the AFL, the NRL. So I went. I kind of tried to shoot myself in the foot, and I ended up going to a sports startup called 24 sports which ultimately failed because it was the time of um it was the time of when the algorithm famously changed under zuckerberg where you could spend very little money and make serious impact right so startups were going nuts uh the conversion tracking was was beginning to to really um, get better and better. You could start to understand what people were doing on your website through Facebook pixels and Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics. And about halfway through my stint with 24 Sports, the algorithm changed. So you couldn't rely on organic social and you needed to be a paid social specialist. So the, the, the business actually failed. Um, due to probably a lack in hindsight of commercial awareness being maybe a little bit ahead of its time and went from 24 sports to a social media agency called uh hello social which was is one of the biggest uh, social media agencies in australia worked very closely with a guy called sam kelly who is one of the brightest marketing minds that I've ever had the uh, pleasure of working with. And I realized that I was potentially a one trick pony with sport. You can put Buddy Franklin on a poster of the Swans and drive conversions, right? And, And I didn't know how to sell dentist equipment or insurance or all of these different verticals. So I had to kind of master the craft of, okay, well, what's the flow of uh, you know, driving conversions for niche products, where are you spending versus just going really broad with sports. So yeah, mastered the craft a little bit uh, at Hello Social under Sam Kelly and, and Max Doyle's gaze, and then really developed the skill set to build my own shop through Hello Social and 24 and Fox Sports' learnings. And um, 
yeah, it was a it was an interesting it was an interesting period of time. My my story, Xander, if you don't mind me jumping through, was I actually quit Hello Social to go traveling with the wife for six months. Did South America it was incredible. Came back a week before COVID by chance. Didn't get caught in Chile and didn't have a horror story. We got back and I remember at the airport they were they didn't know what was going on. They had written pieces of paper saying, "Have you been to China, Italy?" Uh, Iran or Korea and I went no and they said yeah cool you know come in and in that time that I was overseas I'd interviewed with a few different organizations uh, which I won't name um, but there was some there was some really you know close to contracts on the table type stuff and and I I got back you know th- with a bit of swagger going I'm just going to walk into a job here and then I had three contracts pulled from me saying oh we don't know what's going on with the pandemic and um uh you, you, sorry mate but cheers and I went and played Red Dead Redemption 2 for two weeks in a bit of a, <laughs> a hole um and then uh, and then came back and went oh I've got to probably do something about this and I had no no idea what I was doing in starting a business, but I just reached out to a few people that I knew on LinkedIn and, and had rapport with and started So Shall We. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's worked out. Yeah. And you mentioned timing there. Obviously, timing is 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 really really important when starting anything. Timing obviously came into that into the sports startup you know, didn't go and there were there were things that were out of your control and, and timing led to starting up So Shall We. What other things did you identify when you were, you know, putting together a business plan and that sort of thing in the market that you got that you wanted to serve that you thought was maybe being underserved? I think for me it was when the pandemic hit, all these organizations that were avoiding digital marketing became interested in digital marketing because there was no foot traffic in, 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 you know, shops or, or they needed to get better with their conversion. They needed, there was more pressure on sales and no one could do face to faces. So the landscape changed and I was really lucky because I got in at a time where I was originally marketing to, to SMEs and, and I said, Hey, look, you're not on here. Um, give me a crack, um, as almost a freelancer at the time. Um, and the business plan was kind of research and you can, you know, ev- everyone's got access to seeing what pages are running, what ads, right. Is, is if you look at page transparency on Facebook and, and Google, um, you will be able to see it. And I just targeted those that I thought had maybe some opportunity for a bit of ad spend and sold in creative services, which I was using contractors for and performance marketing and, and it. It came to fruition after about, you know, I think the first two months I made $500 um, and I worked, I remember three weeks on a digital strategy and I was like, this is stupidly low for what, like I just looked like, I was like, oh my God, am I going to have to work this hard for $500? Um, And then, you know, opened it up to a retainer service. So it's month to month performance marketing and yeah, it's been, it's been pretty good ever since yeah and if you were to describe you know elevator pitch what what is so shall we what do you guys do what sorts of businesses do you do you work with yeah the elevator pitch is now the team's 10 and i always i always describe it as there's no unicorn in digital marketing 
who knows how to build all types of content, be it video, animation, photography, graphic design. There are skill sets in copywriting, skill sets in reporting and analytics, skill sets in performance uh, performance marketing and digital strategy. And I went and tried to, you know, um, I guess bring in the Avengers of, of who I knew were very good at their craft. So the, the sell was to more medium-sized businesses and small, small to medium-sized businesses at the start that you're not just getting me as a freelancer, you're getting a team of people who are very good that covers the scope of an entire digital marketer. And I think that's a really interesting change of, of this um, of the environment we're in now, Xander, where you have these people that are hiring social media marketers and that's just the broadest uh, title of any organization in the world, right? It's there's so much to it. Um, and then people want to go on TikTok and now there's TikTok specialists and people want to go into Google and there's Google performance specialists. So, so that was, uh, I mean, social we summed up is, you know, uh, strategy, content, copywriting, performance marketing across all digital channels or, or social media channels, as well as Google channels, um, data and analytics, influencer management, and 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 event planning uh, for for people that are, for people that are wanting to do something. Um, yeah, so that's I kind of that's how I thought about it. Is I don't want three people with the same skill set working for Social We because it's irrelevant to people who uh, it's irrelevant to clients altogether. And, uh, you know, at the start it was local businesses and now it's, you know, some of the biggest uh, biggest businesses in the world we're looking after from a performance side. So um, News Corp, uh, Storage King, um, you know, massive disability uh, uh, disability organisations. Uh, we've worked with, with a bunch of people and everything's different. So the targeting's different, the, uh, the content's different, and so you're always learning based on these verticals as to what works and what doesn't, and that's been a fascinating journey. And, and you mentioned the team has, has risen to, to 10 now. I'm, I'm really interested to know when you first, you know, reached out to someone. Yeah. I'll what give what it. was it like saying to someone, hey, come work for this business that effectively doesn't really exist? I think you gotta. You've yeah, you're right. And 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 I'm gonna shout. I'm gonna shout her out, Lena. Um, I worked. So I've actually got five businesses, and Lena was doing an internship uh, for my uh, cryptocurrency and um, NFT organization, a business called Upside, which is still in development. Lena was working as an intern and was absolutely smashing it at uh, at Upside. And I remember I spoke to a mentor of mine um, who was the CEO of that upside business, still is, and said, I think I'm at a point where I need an extra hand. Um, I'd, I'd saved enough capital for a staff member and I'm, you're, off, you're very nervous about it, right? And you're just kind of like, oh, my God, you know, I need to have enough money to pay her for a year. I need to have enough money because I don't want to let anyone down. Um, and she came on and all of a sudden, I realized that I could offload work. I think that's you, you kind of get into, I'm not a micromanager at all, but you start overseeing everything and overthinking everything when you, you get a new staff member on. And then she kind of found her feet. And I 
it, it really just blossomed from there. She did an amazing job. Um, we signed more clients. I could focus more on the sales side plus the performance side, go after larger businesses while she was in control of, of multiple organizations um, for or multiple clients for, for So Shall We. And that was the formula is make sure you can pay them for six to 12 months before you even pull the trigger. Yeah. And just going back to, uh, you know, you mentioned some, some clients there. I think, I think a problem that a lot of people face in this space is that, that clients don't either don't know what they need or, or don't know exactly what you can provide. How, how do you deal with, with that challenge of, of clients coming on and saying, we need X, we need Y, we need Z, and you sort of trying to explain to them, you know, how they work in their different silos and, and all that sort of thing? Like, how is that a challenge, especially at the start when you bring on, you know, the first few clients when you didn't have a body of work to show? It's, it's all education, I think, still with digital marketing is I always, you know, my proposals and, and how I run the sales area of the business is based on education and what they actually need a lot of people will reach out to us and go we don't know but we will take your advice um or you get people who are very specific larger clients specifically that say this is what we need to do here are the kpis beat it um but i would say 50 percent of our clients have never run ads before and there's there's a test and learn period there uh and they've you know exhausted traditional channels um and they come through and go help so so i think for me uh it, it it's it, you have to be i think you get a um an understanding of how to communicate to these people and understand what they want right you always got to be measured against the business objectives i don't like these fluffy agencies that go yeah we'll drive as much traffic as possible and nothing happens it's like well then you're not actually you're going to have a short-term stay with that client is understand what their KPIs are, understand what the cost per conversion are, cost per conversion is and scale it. Um, and if it's not working, that's fine. Try something again. And if it doesn't work that time, you know, you leave amicably. Um, and, and there are some really, really tricky clients that we've worked with. I'll tell you something that's, uh, that's quite gross, and I apologize to anyone that's listening, is one of um, a, a, a colleague of mine in Canada, he runs a wart removal device business. And I went, no way is this going to work on Facebook and Instagram. And we ended up kind of isolating dermatologists and podiatrists and building content for it for those two different verticals. And it smashed it, right? Like info packs, softer hooks rather than book a call, um, webinars, and you know, to the point where the business is valued, it was valued probably at about a hundred grand when we first started, now be valued at around twenty-five million. Um, because they've saturated the American market. So yeah, there's there's a lot of hurdles, but I think it all comes down to how good your content is, how good your ads are, and and how good your conversion funnel is. Yeah, and just going back to I guess the the business and starting the business, you'd obviously worked in a few different companies. I'm always interested in what it's like starting up a new business and and having to really build that culture. What did you learn from working at those other you know both larger and smaller companies, and and how have you been able to bring those learnings into creating a brand new culture at at your business now? I think it takes time and it depends on the personality, right? Is I tend to hire only those that I trust 
um, and that takes a bit of time as well. It, it's culture. The culture of social we is one of there's no micromanagement. You you know you're capable. I need you to learn as much as possible. And I want you to be happy. There's a work-life balance as well. Um, I think in big organisations, I remember at Fox, and this is a long time ago. You know, it was it was good afternoon if you walked in at five past nine, and if you if you if you weren't leaving by at you know any if you were leaving any time before five thirty, you were the first to go, right? And I actually don't think that's sustainable with smaller businesses. You need to allow the best way is is. I work for my staff and if they're not happy or they're not learning or they're not excelling, there's an open forum to say, hey, teach me this, do this, do that. And I'm lucky enough to not have had any staff leave me um, over the last two and a half years, which has been great. Um, but also to have fun, like joke around. It, it, this is digital marketing. It's not. It's not saving lives. It's not surgery. Um, and And there is a lot to love about what we do and bringing smiles to business owners faces and and marketers faces and i think we've we've always had a a pretty good culture at so shall we um and we've got staff in melbourne and sydney and the states now um and yeah it's about allowing people to live the lives they want to live whilst also working really hard and that trust component is key to that yeah, and, and I think that's an interesting point you make there. And I think potentially as a result of the pandemic, that's not something that's limited to small businesses anymore. We're seeing, you know, massive talent shortages um, all around. Uh, I guess, was it nice to, to have or already have that culture when potentially others that are, you know, trying to recruit the talent you're trying to recruit go, oh, crap, maybe we need to let people have work-life balance? Yeah, I think now if you're to hire someone, let's just say for $100,000, and they had to come in and work full time, you know, eight thirty to six every day, versus a job that's eighty five grand a year, and they get to work on their terms, work nine to five with no issues. They're probably going to pick the eighty five grand play, right? Because they can invest in themselves, be it if it's meditation, if it's fitness, if it's gaming, or you know, the hobbies. Allowing them to do that and encouraging that, so mental health is 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 at a priority is key mate you know like i i have i remember um lena got really sick for a month and she's calling me in tears right and she'll hate me saying this but i love you lena and i'm sorry um she she was saying i'm you know she had a rich she was really sick she had migraines for a month and she's texting me going do i still have a job I'm, yes what are you talking about right and and she was like, oh, because, you know, my last job, if I was to take a month off work due to sickness, it would be hugely frowned upon. And I went, well, that's not what we do. It's like you're a huge cog to this organisation um, and I would, uh, you know, health first, right? Like the, the cutthroat white-collar businessman isn't necessarily a part of so shall we uh, at all. Um and obviously there are times where, where things get tough and and it's more difficult, but they're rare if you breed a good culture of building solutions, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And it is good to see, I guess, the general business landscape going that well as well. Um, just moving along to, you know, a couple of your side hustles. I think you mentioned you had five there. I think that's at least two more than I was aware of to start with. <laughs> um, can you tell me a bit about 
getting crafty, which is, you know, probably the the sexiest um, side hustle to have um, as a beer subscription service. How did that start? Yeah, yeah. Getting Crafty was is a beer subscription service that only um, that only serves Australian independent breweries, right? And we, I got a call from a mate, a guy called Nick McArdle, who used to be one of the voice of rugby union at Fox Sports, and he's now working for Stan. And he goes, "Hey, um, can we have a quick chat?" about you potentially becoming involved with uh, with a business idea. And he told me the business idea. And the hook for me was that 92 or 93% of Australians were drinking international beers that they thought were Australian, like VB, Two Is New. They're not owned by Australians. And the breweries were getting decimated, right? And there's 1,500 plus independent breweries in Australia. Um, and we decided to kind of build off that, right, as, as key USPs to say support your own backyard. And Australians make really good beer, right? Like we're starting to get a name for it internationally and it will only continue to get better. But I don't mind a beer myself, as you can, and no one can see me, right, in this, uh, in this, uh, in this video link, so I'm glad, put on a few. Um, but I, like, you know, for me, I've got that passion in, uh, of beer and, and enjoying beers with my mates. And now all my mates come over and go, what do you got in the fridge? Which is frustrating, but also lovable. Um, so Getting Crafty was born because of the digital marketing knowledge that I had. They didn't have someone with with a digital marketing background. It's a startup, so it needs to be used through Facebook and Google ads and driving conversions that way. Yeah, it's a, one of the interesting points you make there is is the confusion about Aussies thinking brands are local but but they're not what's the wider solution to that mate it is the question it's a million dollar question literally for getting crafty um i don't i don't know what the solution is 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 there's some very australiana brands out there with beers 4x great northern vb two is new carlton draft and it's so ingrained in the culture that these were the beers on tap for you know 40, 50 years longer. Um, and it, it's more an education play of support local, I think might be a solution there. And what that means to, you know, potential consumers or beer drinkers, if you're happy to pay an extra five bucks for a six pack or, or 15, 20 bucks for a case, you know, that money's going into our own backyard and we've got to, we've got to back these smaller businesses and independent breweries after the, after the back of the pandemic. So yeah, I don't know what the solution is. If, if I did know what the solution is, I'd probably be investing a lot more into getting crafty. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating industry and, and people are blind by who owns what. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just, you know, locally I've got, oh, and you've got as well, uh, you know, beer cartel, um, you know, it's great to see places like that sort of popping up and, you know, hopefully we can sort of see that, that dial start to start to change upside the, the crypto NFT project you've, you've been chatting about interested to hear that we've got a few crypto clients ourselves. Yeah. So, so what's, what's the deal? When's it, when's it up and running? And I guess the biggest question is what's your point of difference with it? What it, what will it do? So the business upside is it's working through legalities. Like I think with crypto and, and, and NFTs, it's difficult because it's a, it's a worldwide landscape, 
right? And everyone has different rules and regulations. So I can't tell you when it'll be launched, hopefully sometime next year. But ultimately, it was the, the business was to introduce people into NFTs through uh, uh, like meta wallets, crypto wallets, and going into competitions. You'll find on Twitter that a lot of artists and NFT collectors and producers will offer giveaways, right? And they'll airdrop those NFTs if you win them. We wanted to monetize that for them. So on the Upside platform, someone's to release an NFT, you can invest, you know, be it Ether or Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency um, you might have in your Meta Wallet. And the... You, you get all of that cash back. You're just entering it to go to buy yourself a certain amount of tickets for that NFT, right? And we would make revenue off the uh, deposits and, 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 and building that metal, uh, sorry, and, and depositing that money. So say, uh, so say someone's to put an NFT on that absolutely goes bonkers, right? On the upside platform, you put one ether down to go in the draw to potentially win that. The, NFT producer will make money off the deposits, the interest of the deposit. So they're actually making a return for their giveaways. So it was, it was called upside because it's an upside to giveaways. And, um, and yeah, that's what, that's where it is. We're just, we're waiting for a few web three, uh, uh, I guess, advancements in the tech before we, we go live, but that's been really fun, really, really fun. And I've got two, um, American data businesses. One's called, uh, one's called Disrupt and Deploy, and the other is called Joint Data Engine, which is based on, um, uh, yeah, usage of data through enhancing your Facebook advertising. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems like a lot of things going on, mate. Like, what does your normal week look like? Yeah, look, with a seven-month-old newborn, um, it's uh, it's pretty full-on. Oh, congratulations, I mean, by the way. <laughs> thanks, Sandra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, mate, it, the, the day for me usually is a 5.30 out of bed, you know, in the office by 6, 6.30, um, deal with the Americans and have a chat with the Americans in the morning and, and my overseas clients, and then 9 to 5 tends to be, Australian clients, and I found that the American audience for So Shall We especially um, has been really profitable um, because Americans charge quite a bit for Facebook advertising, and in Australia it's different. Um, and, yeah, get home around 5.36, put the baby to bed, in bed by 8.30, start again. Yeah, and that sort of leads on to the question that I always finish this podcast with being, what's your silver bullet for success? And as I mentioned to you sort of before we got started, doesn't have to be specifically related to business, could be a mindset, could be an exercise regime. So over to you. Yeah, the the ultimate question, what's the silver bullet for success? I think for me, and I, I, and I would say for me as, as mine is, is work the job, not the hours, right? Is be relentless in your approach, give solutions, not problems. I always say that to my staff is have a crack at the solution before you ask me, right? That's huge and and that's put me in good stead. But also, you know, positivity and being nice is the amount of clients we get just by referral because we're nice to work with and generous with our time and we'll go overs is crazy. I never expected word of mouth to be the biggest driver of of clients for so shall we so 
So I feel like being a nice guy and being, you know, hiring people that have that same mentality and working extremely hard. And I know, you know, people will say the four hour work week, it's great. No, there's no, for me, it's no four hour work week. I think when you're doing a startup, it's, it's a, you know, it's a 60 hour work week. Um, being responsive as, as well as relentless and positive, it would be where I go with that. Yeah, definitely the client referrals thing. It's something I've learned in the last year that I've been in PR, just the power of that's pr- pretty amazing to see. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily something that gets taught in a, in a, in a business textbook or anything, is it? No, no, it's, it's, it's really not. And, and word of mouth is, is so key to, to everyone, right? Like if you're an asshole, it, it ends up catching up with you. And I've worked with people that are extremely good and maybe it's very traditional Xander, like in, in a way of being mean and getting what you want, that mentality was good maybe 20, 30 years ago. But for me, no, it's, it's being constantly positive, excited for challenges and also passion, right? Like I know you're a football man. I'm a football man. I watch a lot of sport. It's crippling. Don't support Everton if anyone's listening. (laughs) Um, And, and it's, the excitement of working with new people and the excitement of making new relationships is what puts you in good stead. Yeah, fantastic. I think that's a great way to leave it. Sam, thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat today. My pleasure. Thanks, Sander. Thanks, Sander.